When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast this week is Paige McFeely, co-founder and CEO of BaseHQ. And we were seeing this more and more frequently as entrepreneurs and people even in large businesses just didn't necessarily want someone sitting outside of their office. They just needed some fractional, very focused support. We began to run into a series of roadblocks for a number of different reasons, but I trace it all back to the fact that there's no standard either definition or process on how to become an executive assistant and how to work with an executive assistant. We think of assistance as this luxury that you can only work with an assistant once you've achieved a certain level in your career. So our big idea behind that is to completely debunk that. That really, if you are a high performer of any capacity, you ought to have at least some access to an assistant. We actually believe it helps us to go faster. It's increasing our velocity and it's, it's maximizing our impact. This is Paige. In 2013, she co-founded 33 Vincent an executive assistant service that matches busy executives with experienced and top quality EAs. That's where she started to imagine how much more impactful a talented EA could be with the right setup. And this led her to Foundbase in 2018 with the goal to solving this problem for EAs everywhere around the globe. And this inspired me and hence I invited Paige to my podcast. We explore the challenges that executives and their assistants face to optimally work together. Inadequate technology, manual processes, communication inefficiencies, competing priorities, and so on. We also discuss the lessons that Paige has learned along the way to create a remarkable software business. By listening to this podcast, you will learn three things. Firstly, how you can create your own category and transform decade-old approaches by taking a 30,000-foot view and ask some critical but simple questions. Secondly, that you have an opportunity to create your own groundswell by leveraging abundance. And thirdly, why the way you can make a difference is not a matter of working harder, but by understanding your superpowers and use those smarter. So hi Paige, welcome to my podcast. Thank you, excited to be here. That's the same for my end. And when I was doing my research around companies that could be a guest on my podcast, I bumped into Base HQ, and I wasn't even aware there was something like this 
that existed. I mean, I've been working all my life in the enterprise space, had bosses with executive assistants and PAs, and they were just normally using the day-to-day stuff. So it's going to be an interesting conversation in terms of how to solve the particular problem they have. But before we start, there's always a thing I want to ask specifically about you and to start with that. If you had to describe yourself in one or two words, what would that be? Oh, that's a good question. I'd say I'm very specific and pretty focused. So my husband and I always joke that specific is sort of a stand-in for picky, but I think what it really means is that I know what I want and have pretty high standards. So yeah. (laughs) Good. Then I think you created the right solutions for the right (laughs) audience because I know how sometimes that quality is pressured. So talking about your solution, well, your company Base HQ, what is the big idea behind it? Sure. So I'll tell you the big idea wrapped into a little bit of my backstory. So a number of years ago, I started a remote executive assistant staffing agency. It's called 33 Vincent. So we would hire the executive assistants and we matched them with executives who needed part-time remote support. And we were seeing this more and more frequently as entrepreneurs and people even in large businesses. Just they didn't necessarily want someone sitting outside of their office. They just needed some fractional, very focused support. So that business kind of took on a life of its own. It was started as a side business and pretty quickly we realized, oh, this we're onto something here. So over the five, six years that we were growing it, we began to run into a series of roadblocks for a number of different reasons. But I trace it all back to the fact that there's no standard either definition or process on how to become an executive assistant and how to work with an executive assistant. And Okay. A lot of that, I believe, can be solved through software, but also changing the conversation around what giving and receiving support actually means. So I think right now we think of assistance as this luxury that you can only work with an assistant once you've achieved a certain level in your career. So our big idea behind that is to completely debunk that, that really if you are a high performer of any capacity, you ought to have at least some access to an assistant. Yeah. And I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. These days with all the platforms that are available around the world, it's become easier and easier. Yep. So the big idea I understand, and especially also if people are not in the same office, becoming a virtual assistant, and you need that, that focus support that they become, mm-hmm. well, there's a problem there. Yeah. So what is the opportunity if you get this right? I mean, what is the difference between before and after? Sure. So I think... Stage one, the opportunity is really beginning to streamline the relationship between an EA and an executive and maximizing the output, the potential, the effectiveness of that relationship. But phase two is really changing the conversation around having and working with an EA and maybe even being an EA. So we're dreaming a little bit at this point, but this is definitely part of our vision of what could it look like if we throw away everything we know about traditional support structures? What could it look like to truly give access to assistance so that if you're a new CEO, you're starting a new company where you don't have to wait till after your series A to hire an assistant. Maybe you do that right away within your first few hires. That is a crazy thought right now. And it's something that we did. (laughs) We got a lot of pushback for it, but we actually believe it helps us to go faster. It's increasing our velocity and it's, it's maximizing our impact. So I think if we're successful here, then that's a norm. And you're not only going to see, and if we're looking at big companies, you're not only going to see the C-suite with assistance, but you're going to see Everybody, middle management and up has at least some access because financially it is understood that it makes more sense to outsource tasks that are, you know, at the appropriate pay grade. 
Yeah, I completely agree on that. <laughs> well, I mean, the reason why I started this podcast is, is one of them. I mean, what, how can you use technology to become a better version of yourself? And I think that's, that's right. what this is all about. The other thing is also, and that's the area where I didn't want to go with, with my podcast, is, okay, starting to use things like AI mm-hmm. to automate yourself out of a job. At the end, it's about people, and people have certain skills, and with those skills, they can make an impact. And if you can increase that, perfect. But you see too often, and I've seen actually executives at the top level of the company doing things themselves because they didn't want to spend that dollar or euro amount to have someone else doing it. And the question at the end is, do you understand the hourly rate you have yourself? So. That's exactly what we have all over our 33 Vincent website is, do you know your hourly rate? Because a lot of people, especially if they work in a larger corporation, they don't know their hourly rate. And so if you directly compare that to what the hourly rate of an assistant is, why would you spin your wheels booking flights and managing your own calendar? Yeah, that's true. But that's where it comes back to that perception of I can do it better myself. I like the the highest, highest quality and no one Mm -hmm. can, can meet that standard. That's, yeah. what you, something, that's something you need to, well, to prove different. So talking about the platform, I think, I mean, but correct me if I'm wrong, that this is about communication. It's about planning and organizing tasks. It um, is, yeah. So I'd say right now, BASE is really about streamlining the communication between the EA and the executive. And we've got a handful of features that are geared towards doing that, towards transparency, towards streamlining communication, and really minimizing the manual work that an assistant currently does. So if I take it back a step, what I've learned over the last handful of years and what my team, many of whom have actually been executive assistants themselves, have learned over the years are what best practices look like. So executive assistants and executives for that matter really don't have shared access to how do you do this right? So I spend a ton of time talking with executives in particular about how do you even do this? They want to know how other people are doing it successfully. Does their EA send them a daily digest? How do they manage their calendar? What's the right way to color code their calendar? We get really, really nitty gritty here. And so over, over the years, I've be- yes, exactly. Over the years, I've begun to notice a handful of patterns. And so the yeah. idea was, what if we take these patterns, these best practices, and we actually use them to create the foundation of our software? So the first area we're focusing is communication, or you could call it context. How can you ensure that that relationship, both parties have the context that they need to do their job effectively? And so at its core, that's where we are right now. And um, we're really, really working to perfect that before we expand into other pillars of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So with all the technology available in the marketplace, I mean, there's of course all the communication software that's out there. Sure. There's the scheduling capabilities. There's fantastic ways to, to write things. What did you do different with your solution or what did you add to, mm-hmm. to make that the perfect solution for EAs? Sure. So pretty much any software out there with the exclusion of base, none of them are built for the use case of an executive assistant. They have very specific needs and workflows. And so we built base specifically for that. So that's a really general answer. It's built for, <laughs> for how they need to do their job. But if we're getting more tactical of how base actually supports them, so I'll give you one example. If you are an executive assistant supporting someone, you need to know all sorts of information about that individual, not just what's their address and when's their birthday and what's their wife's name, 
or their husband's name, but also who are the very important people in their lives that you need to be aware of and what are some of their preferences? What does it mean, going back to the color coding, what does it mean when they color code something on their calendar, graphite versus flamingo? And what are their goals? Are you in line with the most important things that your executive needs to be doing every day? And how can you track that information? So we know that the average EA executive relationship, the tenure is only three years. So even if you've got a really great assistant right now, chances are you're going to have to transition away from that assistant at some point in time. Where is all of that information being stored right now? And is it at all portable? And how does the context get transported with that? So we built a place in base specifically for that use case. It's called Dossier. It's where you can store all of the information about your executive and it's portable so that even if your assistant's just on vacation, then another assistant can hop in and have access to all of that information that they need. Another feature that we built, we know assistants and executives, a lot of the back and forth that they have throughout each and every day cover either updates, questions, reminders. And we built something called Decision Stream that really, really makes that process easier than ever before. So an assistant can say, hey, this meeting got rescheduled. So now we've got three options to reschedule it. And then the assistant can actually populate, pre-populate the potential answers and push that out to their executive when they know the timing is right and where they know the executive will be able to look at it. Mm -hmm. So whether that's Slack or text message, or maybe it's an email, and then the executive can just simply select the response. The feedback, this is our newest feature and the feedback that we've received has been outstanding. People are saying it's shaving hours off their day of back and forth. And then there's also now a system of records. So you don't wonder, oh my gosh, where I sent one question through text message and four through Slack, and I only got answers to two of them. (laughs) (laughs) Things get lost that way. And we're trying to release that. Yeah, I understand that. And that's where the difference at the end is made because we have so many things around us and we all think that that should do the job, but the moment is not specific or making the difference in that specific moment, which is another one, then Mm -hmm. it all goes by. I agree. Yeah. So how long has the solution been on the marketplace? So we're pretty young. We launched last year and near the end of last year, we closed our seed round of financing. And so we launched the product earlier in 2019, have been continuing to improve upon it and adding new functionality through now. So we're a little less than a year. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's where we got the momentum starts, right? Exactly. So I mean, what have you learned in terms of the whole selling process, because I mean, you're selling something that's not available in the market. There's no reference. I actually think that nobody's looking for it either. So. You know, you hit on a great point there. There are no waves that we can ride here. In a lot of ways, we're kind of creating the wave exactly. <laughs> that we need to sell. So it's been an interesting challenge. We found that it's pretty easy for us to get in front of executive assistants. They're hungry for this information and not a lot of other individuals are selling to them right now. Let me make a small interruption here. Paige just touched upon a key element of what makes Base desirable for its audience. They solve a valuable problem for an audience that is underserved in the market, and hence they are creating their own big wave to ride by establishing a new category rather than optimizing what's already there. And this touches upon two traits that define a remarkable software business. Firstly, they create new value opportunities, and secondly, they aim to be different, not just better. These are traits you can master as well. To get ideas how you can do that, I would recommend you to read my book, The Remarkable Effect. You can find it on any portal out there where they sell books online. Back to the interview. With that said, they tend to not have their own discretionary budgets. 
So while I agree that a lot of executives are not out there looking for software to maximize the relationship with their assistant, they are looking for ways to make sure that they're doing this as best as they can. And so a lot of the content, a lot of the things that I'm spending my time working on is just connecting with executives and sharing those best practices. Anytime I give a talk, anytime I write anything, anytime I'm even just simply meeting a group of people who work with assistants, someone pulls me aside and says, I would love to just talk to you about XYZ, whatever it might be. What's Mm -hmm. the best way for them to manage my email? How do you share a schedule itinerary? And so we're focusing pretty heavily in 2020 and getting the word out to executives, not only that, hey, there's this software that can help you, but also here are the answers to all of those questions that you've been wondering, but you haven't known where to look to get answers to. Yeah. At the end, it's telling the story of of how they're going to be much more productive themselves. Oh, totally. And really what I end up doing is just talking about how my assistant Natalie and I work together particularly through the use of base, but we also just have a pretty great relationship. So that's been our best selling tool. Tell me an anecdote on that. Sure. So I guess it was a couple months ago now, I stopped checking my email pretty much. So maybe I peruse through in the morning, but then when she's online, she's an hour behind me in central time. So when she's online, I shut things down and I don't look at it again until she tells me it's ready for me. And so that was something immediately when we started this, I noticed I almost had a tick to go check my email. Yeah hundreds of times a day. And now I've completely let go of that. And so what she's enabled me to do is really put up my guardrails to understand what's the one, maybe two things that I need to focus my energy on throughout that day to be as impactful as I can for base. And so the way that we're using base to do this is that we've developed a digest builder. So general best practice, which is not something that's widely done, but it's hugely important to do if you're working with an assistant is to receive at least a weekly, if not a daily roll-up of just the status of what's going on, anything that's on your calendar. Maybe you want to be in the loop on some of the other members of your team or the leadership team, but it's a really, really manual process for assistants too. So we created a way for assistants to really instantly aggregate all of the executive's calendar information. They can include their decision stream information in there. Those are those questions, updates, reminders that I was talking about earlier, but then also you can give an overview of whatever else you're working on. So often for my assistant, it's here's what's in your inbox. Here's what I drafted for you to respond to. Here's what I just took care of. Here's other things you should be aware of, but don't require any further action. And so then she'll include any decision stream questions that are relevant for me throughout that day that may have come up. And then also what's coming up on my calendar. So things like a link to your LinkedIn profile before this podcast to make sure that I was ready to go and a history of our email communication, things that wouldn't be in our shared calendar hold, but yeah. are things that are going to help me prepare for this meeting. So at the end of the day, when I log back into my email, that's there. It's a read me first. And it takes me 15 minutes to process what would have taken an hour or plus before. Exactly. Yeah. So it's literally created time for me. That's the most important thing that everybody needs. And that's also going back to your point that you want to debunk the whole thinking of if you have an EA, then you've made it. Now it becomes available to to so many We want to democratize it. Exactly. Exactly. That's a word that is happening a lot or used a lot on my podcast, by the way. (laughs) Not surprised. (laughs) But that's exactly where the opportunity is. One of the things that I've learned over time in the work that I've always been doing as a product marketing manager or product manager is you try to mimic, you look too much as competition, you listen too little to customers and it's all about incremental change and mm-hmm. the opportunities are there. 
to really step back and, and see, wait a minute, the way we're doing things here is actually stupid. It's too expensive, it's too slow, it results are not there, and we just believe this. We've become complacent, that is, is the norm. And yeah. if you can find those examples, and you got one here, that's where you can really, well, you can say debunk it, you can disrupt it, and come up with a solution whereby if people start using it, they, where they think, what have I ever done without it? So, right, that's exactly so, it. Assistants have been providing the same structure of support yeah. Since business has existed, <laughs> it's never been considered, is this the right way to do it? And then how can we make it easier for people to become assistants? So part of what we've done is develop training because yeah. people generally just fall into this career. There are no degrees for it. There are some certification and training processes out there, but really you just kind of have to get lucky. You have to have the right fundamental building blocks of your personality and your skill set. Mm -hmm. And then you have to find a job where you just, you have the luxury of being able to figure it out, <laughs> try True. things the hard yeah, way. Exactly. And I believe there's a way to systematize that process. So if we see other jobs are being automated out, so we'll take truck drivers, which I know is one that people love to talk about. I would venture that a certain percentage of truck drivers maybe have the right fundamental building blocks of becoming an assistant, but not the tool set available to them to actually make that happen. Yeah, that's true. And so I think there's a way for us to really focus on some of these industries where we're going to see increasing amounts of the workforce that are unemployed and we can help them find new placements. Well, especially with the whole notion of yeah, the virtual works, the contingent workers, the yeah. people that are not in your office, but still doing work for you. I mean, I have, I think three or four people that are doing things for me as well. I mean, just a solopreneur, but yeah. I mean, why not? So this yes. is cool. I mean, I've just, so actually this week, my first book is launching. It's called The Remarkable Effect. And it's about the 10 traits of a remarkable software company. And what I always like asking is to, well, to my guest is what do you believe is a specific trait or maybe more that a remarkable software company needs to have in order to be remarkable? That's a great question. I think that it can change based on the stage of the company. For us right now, one that we believe is our superpower because we are small is our speed. It's our velocity. And it's something that we've talked a lot about. We have the ability right now where the bulk of our team can have a user interview every day and we can be listening to their feedback, to their pain points, and we can respond quickly and we can adapt quickly. And the bigger we get, the more like a cruise ship we're becoming where it's a lot harder to turn and navigate. And True. so we can really build to the specific needs of the users and the buyers that we truly, truly want to help. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit something on the spot there. And it's, that of course is, is always the benefit of a startup. Right. And the essence at the end is to ensure that even if you grow and you scale up and you become a company of a hundred people, a thousand people that you keep that energy that first of all, mm -hmm. I think it's also one thing that often comes back is curiosity to keep that hunger for what can you do to make your customer even better mm -hmm. rather than settle in with, okay, we have something, let's monetize it. I like that. Yeah. What are you most proud of achieving so far? I mean, have you got any customers that have anecdotes that yeah, surprise yes. you in a positive way or? Definitely. And in fact, we had Jeremy, our VP of product and engineering, had a conversation yesterday with two of our users. And it was one of those where you're like, 
God, this is why we do this. This is exactly why we are industry. And we've gotten a handful of this over time, but they're a unique situation because they actually have two assistants supporting one executive. So the way that they collaborate together on base is really, really outstanding. And some of the things that they said were that base has become integral into their support structure and that it is kind of the core of how they do their job. And in fact, it's become the record of how they do their job through those daily digests that I was talking about. It's become the system of record for their actual role. So this is exactly it. This is why we do this is because we believe we can not just be another software tool for assistants and executives that they have to learn, but we can fundamentally change the way that they do their jobs for the better. Yeah, I mean, the moment you start doing that and they start realizing that, that's a, well, where they turn from a customer into a fan and that's where the word starts spreading, which is exactly what you need here to create a momentum, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. What is a regret you have? What would you have done different if you would have had the chance? Oh, that's a good question. You know, this is not specifically product related, but we recently went through fundraising and it was a really, really insightful experience for us. We learned a lot about our goals, our desires, how to talk about base. And that process in and of itself went really well. And we could not be more thrilled with the investors that we got on board. But it took us a while. It took us a couple months to really figure out who we wanted. So I'm thankful that we got the investors that we got, but there were points in there. I don't know if you've ever raised capital, but it's a soul searching experience. Yep. And sure. I think at times you kind of feel like I will accept anybody's money. And thankfully we didn't have to do that, but I wish that we would have had a stronger perspective on who we thought was right for base. And again, like I said, it ended out perfectly, but we spent a lot of time kind of leaning into introductions from other individuals that we found. And there were just, you could tell instantly when someone either got it or they didn't get it. And I think finding the voice to move on faster would have been helpful. Has that got to do also with kind of being very clear and articulate about, first of all, your big idea, but also your values in terms of how you you stand Mm -hmm. in business? Yes, absolutely. And if an investor that I'm speaking with doesn't have an assistant, (laughs) Like, I I wish that we would have required that. Like, I'm not even going to speak with you unless you have an assistant or you have plans to hire one in the near term. Because otherwise, like, you're clearly not valuing your time, what your time is worth, and where you're placing your investments. Because we'd get through, you know, an hour or two hour long meeting and then find out like, oh, they don't believe in remote teams or they don't really think assistants are necessary until a certain point. It's like, well, why are we having this conversation? Yeah. Well, it starts with identifying who is your ideal customer. And of course, mm-hmm. you want to get an understanding from an investor in that as well, because if right. they don't believe that that's the market, and there is a market for that, mm-hmm. solving an important problem. Yeah. By getting business in the first place. Yeah. And I think some of the learning, I'm sorry. I think some of the learning you just have to do, you just kind of have to do it the hard way, but I'm looking forward to not having to go through that particular learning for future rounds of fundraising. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that's, that's ongoing. You always learn new things. Oh yeah. Well, talking about learnings, almost the last question from the key lessons that you've learned, bits of wisdom that you've gained, what would you advise peer entrepreneurs? entrepreneurs that are on a mission themselves as well? So this is something that our leadership team was discussing at length yesterday. I think there's a stigma, especially in the startup world, especially in the 
venture back tech startup world, that you need to kill yourself to be successful. That those first handful of years of your company's life, you are going to be stressed and your health is going to suffer and your family is probably going to suffer. And not to say that we have not been stressed, <laughs> that we are not working as hard as we possibly can. We also believe at the core of our business, that there's a healthy way to do this. So I think there's a lot of tyranny of the urgent in this industry and people feeling like they've always got to show and prove how hard they're working. Mm -hmm. And so I would encourage anyone starting anything to not give into that, especially if they, what their family life looks like. I've got three young children. And so this is a huge challenge for me. My day doesn't look like most entrepreneurs days does because I want to be home to pick up my kids from school and I want to cook them dinner. And I couldn't do that if I was working until six o'clock. So my day starts a whole lot earlier than most people's does also. So just like realizing you've got to listen to yourself throughout this process and try to keep yourself healthy so that you can keep your business healthy. Which is focusing on what you should focus on and give the rest to someone else. Exactly. It's a whole lot easier if you have an assistant to help you. (laughs) It's a repeating pattern here. So what is next for you? I mean, I can almost guess the answer having launched in 2019. Right. Where do you want to be in 24 months? Oh, that's a great question. So in 24 months, we want to be a whole lot closer to having more of a platform than a few products. So we're, we're getting there, but there's so much depth in each of the products that we're launching that rather than rushing quickly to a platform, we want to really explore that depth first. Yeah. So 24 months should give us ample time to do that. And we want to be a whole lot closer as well to democratizing access to assistance, whatever that might look like. Our current viewpoint is that that likely looks like a marketplace, but going back to staying nimble <laughs> and listening to the feedback that you're hearing, we are taking these next 12, 24 months to really explore, track as much as we can to make data-backed decisions on what is the easiest way to provide access to assistance for all. So I think we'll have a much clearer picture of that in 24 months. My immediate focus is on getting base into the hands of assistants and executives. Anyone who's looking to really maximize that relationship, I want to talk with them. Cool. Nice problem to have or nice problem to solve. Let's put it that way because it's not a problem to have. It's a problem to solve. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. So if there's anyone out there that can help you, what would you ask them? Yeah. So I want to talk to executives, whether they've been working with an executive assistant for a long time, or maybe they have never had one, or maybe they're in a new relationship. I have a strong hypothesis that base is particularly valuable if you're in a new relationship first 18 months or so, as you're forming those initial habits. I want to hear their pain points, their doubts, their fears, or any frustrations that they have in that relationship and see if we can find a way to make sure they're getting the most value for the investment they're making. Cool. Well, we'll see what happens because a lot of people that listen to this podcast are exactly, I think, the profile that you're looking for. So we'll see. <laughs> good, good. Um, so where can people go to find out more about BASE and to say hi to you? Yes. So our website is basehq.com. My email is page at basehq.com. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. And other than that, just we've got you know kind of all the other spots, Twitter, Instagram, okay. Facebook. Yeah, I figured it out. So someone else can as well. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time, Paige. Thank you so much. This, this was, was so fun. Um, it was fun. And I learned a couple of things, got a couple of new ideas as well. And I hope that my audience is having the same experience here as well. Likewise. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. So turning to my audience right now, please share what your thoughts are about the episode I just did with Paige. 
And if you liked it and you got inspired by it, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on the mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Paige McFeely, co-founder and CEO of Base. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.